get any of my intro? Do you want my computer? Okay. Yay! Here we are right now. Immersed in art is is I was gonna say is bearing witness, and that's just not right. Um, <laughs> we have the reason, the absolute sole reason that I put any single pen to paper to create a single note or word towards the curriculum that we have. And it's all because of our esteemed teacher of the years at John R. Wooden, Miss Brenda Young. Yay! Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> you can clap yourself in too if you want. <laughs> Yay, you. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Um, Yay. You have changed so many people's lives and mine as well, and especially the ones of my students. So I think we have quite, a, well, to me at least, a very interesting history. Yeah. Um, like as how, how it grew for, you know, simple ideas and how, especially, I should just interview you, how it grew from, <laughs> you, you know, I'm hearing about you doing some art or working with street artists or letting kids express themselves. And I give make a phone call to you and you hit our campus like a confetti tornado <laughs> and there and we go from there. It's, you know, uh, 100%. And um, I just got a warning from Zoom that said I got logged out of my account, but I think I'm cool. Um, it, yeah, it uh, definitely probably one of the most adult symbiotic like relationships ever. I swear you have seen me go through... Um, a lot of different levels of awareness of myself and, and through the kids, like, I think it's funny that, um, as adults, we might be seen by these kids as having it all together. And like, they keep us having it all together. <laughs> like if they weren't there, I wouldn't know what to do. If you weren't there, I wouldn't know what to do. If, Diane Luby Lane hadn't been there I wouldn't know what to do and you know all of us I think have this common weird draw to help young people learn well I, I love it that you mentioned the triangle of you and Diane and I and um if people know, I don't know, you've talked about her before, but uh, Diane Luby Lane With Get is, Lit. is founder of Get Lit, which is an incredible spoken word literacy program for high school students. So yes. I was involved with Diane for that program because she first started, I'm, I'm surrounded by wonderful women. She first, <laughs> in honor of Women's History Month, um, she came from New York calling schools for the opportunity to come and perform her one woman show and it was really hard to get into LA Unified and everything, like, who are you? And I said, sure, come on over. And she <laughs> performed poetry for my students, and they were just blown away by her. Yeah. And then started, uh, you know, I knew her and kept talking. I knew she had this wonderful Get Lit program, but my school was so small, and I didn't think I could do it. And 
Yes, you said, yes, you can. And we wrote a grant and got that. So I'm working with spoken word for the students. Then about the same time, I think I met you. Maybe I met you a little bit after Diane. Yeah, like three or four years later. But yeah. So you came in and this is my recollection. So you came in and did wonderful things with students and students that probably wouldn't engage before. Oh, I can't be an artist. I was like, yes, you, you are one. So here you go. And they really grew, and I'm sure we can talk about that later. But, uh, <laughs> my my favorite outgrowth of this is working with the spoken word. And I remember at one time, because you were very, always, you're, you're very innovative. And I said, what about, I said, my students are competing. Can you work with them to visualize and paint their poems? Right. And that's when you were out there with the, the flats, uh, you know, the wood, and they were painting part of their poetry and then in visualizing. And I can still remember two of them just staring at it going, I, 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 I don't know what to do. And you said, yeah, you do. And they started doing it and they created these beautiful pieces of work that really helped them delve into the meaning of, of poetry in a whole new level. level. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny and, how the, all they, uh, it, there's a certain kind of, prompt now i know that with poetry they're using prompts all the time but what i mean is a prompt uh, that i think um especially teachers like you at schools like john r wooden have have created inside themselves that is it's almost a dare it's almost a a it's a certain kind of push that speaks really perfectly to these students you know like there's all kinds of different school levels um that I'm sure I don't even know if you've taught at like a standard high school or not and and I know that there's a conversation about um continuation versus high school and how we're all just trying to make them be it's just high school right um but the the kids who end up at at schools like wooden um i think respond to certain kinds of like push and it's and dare like i think they're i think they have a level of dare that is so uh you know honed from from having to be scrappy and living you know in certain environments that uh, that have them really be street savvy you know and so as a teacher you have to be street savvy and how to how to kind of cajole them into action and same with with me you know like you just said it's like yeah you do (laughs) you do know you do know how to do it you know you're you're about as uh ready to do this as anybody i've ever met and i quote you all the time um because one day you told me a little story about the students and how I think you had compared it to different schools that you had taught at. And you said, I can teach a uh, drama to John R. Wooden students and they get in one week, what took a month to get other students at other high schools motivated to do. And you, you were like, they're, they blow your mind in their creativity. And do you remember saying that? 
I don't because I've never taught it at another high school, Laura. You didn't? Then maybe there was something... Something that you were relating to these students as as being so fast. I'll, I'll tell you what it is. What I what I think, and for yeah. people who don't know, a continuation school is um, a fabulous school where students get can excel, you know, work at their own pace, and they get recognized for individualism. And and many students have had struggles and obstacles in their way, but. And people have sometimes looked at, at, at our types of school as, oh, it's where the failures go and the people, blah, blah, blah. And I've always disagreed with that. So I think more of what, I've, what I have said is oftentimes the students that, I, that we have at my school have possibly, oh, they have, they've fallen behind in credits. But a lot of them are the ones who don't speak with the typical voice in the class with the kid who raises their hand. Like I was always the kid raising my hand and I wanted to read out loud and everything. Right, me too, and right. These are a lot of the students who became invisible for many different reasons. So they maybe sat at the back of the class and didn't have the opportunity to um, get acknowledged or got put down when they tried. And mm -hmm. so they took the path of least resistance. But at our school, we work on a lot of creative things like the spoken word and then you with the art and, and you've changed those things on. And I find a lot of my students are so creative and that creativity has just been stifled. And I oftentimes will, you know, like today I'm working with students who are just writing this incredible material. And I was like, you guys are great. And they loved it. And I said, have you always written? And they'll say, yeah, I really liked it, but they, they maybe liked it in elementary school and they get to middle school and that's where a lot of the peer pressure happens and the obstacles or the teachers or this isn't good enough or, and they get shut down and all of a sudden they come to our school and we're able to work with that because I tie in as you know art and, and, and literature a lot yeah they can write and, and use art to create and um and a lot of them when you talk about the the self-discovery is that's a, a really key you know, really key point. And I have, um, I've come across a, a quote by an independent artist and she said, um, art is not so much expressing oneself as it is discovering oneself. And it's so true. Mm -hmm. And that I think inside of that, discovering oneself, especially for kids who have, um, have had strife, like that then also turns into therapy and well-being discovery and voicing your, you know, your pain and, um, and like setting them kind of back on course or some kind, not, not even back because there is no back, you know, it's just always going forward and, and, and moving through it. But I think, I think, your class and the school's approach is like you already know that they have stuff in their own backpack that either needs to come out or is influencing how they learn or who they are and you take that all into consideration as opposed to like hardcore rules doesn't matter you have to be a soldier you know and move on and it's it's like the reverse is happening, in my opinion. Like, you guys are creating these schools that should be the model moving forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, for everyone. Because the truth is, kids at other schools 
have, you know, have some similar backgrounds, but um, they are, they're probably more damage told to Marshall and march on. And the wooden students, I think, just get to round themselves out in a way that they're, they're so lucky that they have you guys. And, and you like have been teacher of the year a gazillion times. How has that happened? Teacher of the year for like LA Unified. I'll, what is I'll tell that? you an interesting story from the, the first one I got was uh, <laughs> I was working with students and my, my whole thing is, um, you know, teaching students, uh, you know, from a variety of backgrounds. And most of them come to me hating English. They don't like to read and they don't like to write. Because they've been and, embarrassed by it, probably. Yes, always try to really find out what they're interesting first. Because my whole theory on, on reading is, no, it's not like you don't like to read. You just haven't had interesting material. So I will totally. never require something that's boring for them. I think we can find something else. I want to nurture that love. So I always did a student, student profile. And for one particular year, I had several guys, maybe one girl, who were graffiti artists or street artists or really like that. So I said, well, let's explore that. And so I started researching, this is pre you started uh -huh. researching this and this is how I came to you. And um, so I started researching and well, this is really cool. And then I started talking to my students and they taught me, I learned so much about art and everything. So I would start reading about different artists and we'd read their articles and they were reading, at, reading material at a high level that I was finding in newspapers and magazines and stuff about the emerging graffiti artists no. and the technique, and they were eating it up. So one day <laughs> I was talking about it, and someone from the district happened to walk by my classroom and see what I was doing. And she went, oh, I happen to have some videos I'm going to send over to school. And it was a whole packet of videos on graffiti art. Oh, my so goodness. The students are thinking I'm pretty chill because... We're doing this thing and I'm showing this and because of that so I, I went through that aspect of it and Banksy happened to be in town with his street art oh my gosh I remember like, that yeah and I was able to arrange a field trip to go see him and that was so phenomenal so that opened my eyes oh that, my. that's about the time that I heard about you and what you were doing with off the wall graffiti so right. that kind of meshed all together so I did that and then this was so funny to me because I found out a small, small gallery in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard was having a display of, I think his name was Speedo Graffito, who was an <laughs> Italian or French graffiti artist. Oh, no way. So I called the gallery and I said, <sighs> I have these students and they said, sure, come in. So I had parents driving, helping to drive the, the kids to the gallery. It was just my kids in there and I'm like, you know, a lot of these students haven't been any place before. And I, they're like, right. art gallery. And I stood back and I was just amazed because they were sitting back and going, and look at the technique here and the perspective there. I'm going, wow. So I really learned a lot. So the teacher or the, the person from the district that, saw, you know, gave me the video, started doing this. She was the one, I think, who was, who nominated me for, educator of the year for the California League of High Schools. So that's oh my how that, gosh. that was my first foray into awards. But then that's how I hooked up with you from that connection. And right. then we went from there and, and you created murals all over the school and poetry <laughs> for, for the writing and the words there. So it's really interesting how one 
little, you know, and it, um, one little kid, really, like the yeah, the, the, the I, desire I, to get them to read, you know. <laughs> if I wouldn't have graffiti artists in the classroom, I would have never been on this path. I would have never met you. We would have never done the, the poetry thing back when you helped my poets visualize their poem. Yeah, and you know they they have. I didn't finish that. I really want to acknowledge you on this because they really understood. They looked at their poems in a whole different manner. Really? At, oh, I, I didn't know this. I discovered something new about this. So now they could visualize the words and the images of real life and, and put it in different perspectives. So I love Ooh. that. And that was the year that my team of poets made it to the finals. Yes. In the whole Get Lit Poet Classic Slam. Ugh. Four schools made it to the finals out of 60. And that's the year they really did the work on that. So I was thrilled. And then um, I went on to paint to get lit curriculum. I painted, Diane asked me, and I wrote a, a chapter in the curriculum of painting poetry. I did not know this. You did not? I did not. I need to see that. That's oh, wonderful. Yeah, I'll show you. So I was very, I was so pleased to be invited to, um, to put that in there. And then, you know. You and Diane, I've introduced fell you in love. Too. Yeah, we fell in love. A whole new thing <laughs> with, with art and poetry. So I uh, love that whole, you know, that whole storyline of, of poetry and, and painting together. Right, right. Oh, and, and yeah, it will. And, and I'm just thinking about the kids who, um, it's so easy to fall in love with these kids and with their potential and with their story and their the the courage that they have just arriving to school every day mm -hmm. and um you know I have I have people in mind that that we both know that like so in your in your school and in others, but let's just focus on what we know that there are kids who still haven't yet graduated that I know you can point to. And I think you follow on Instagram if you, if you're doing Instagram, but I follow on Instagram and I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking about their ability. Like a part of me wanted to figure out like, how could I get, and you know what? I think we're fine if we say names. I wanted to get... Hey, I thought I wanted to say names, but in truth, it's just someone we both know and love and want to see completing their high school journey. That's all. On the, on the Zoom, and I wanted you to pop in on the Zoom during the podcast and say, I have a, pass, a path to completion, you know, or, or some kind of... And I wonder... I wonder about that. Like, I wonder, I, I really have disagreed with the idea that um, kids who have to leave school, um, that that they automatically have to go to an adult school later. And, mm -hmm. and I really believe that there's a, you know, a, an arrested development that happens that, that emotionally they need to complete a certain kind of high school, you know, it's not just the academic side. And, um, that's why we did prom, you know, with you guys, because there's, there's those, those little places of celebration for yourself and milestones that I don't think anybody really wants to, 
miss out on. And and I do wonder, like, does Los Angeles have a viable real path for people to go and recover their their credits? I know that you might say it's West Valley or uh, ELAC or something like that. And I just wonder, in your view, is there is there any like how hard is it? Like I even asked uh, Barb, I was like, what if what if an older student needed to like know how many credits they actually still have? What are they? What can they do? <laughs> you know, you know. I think for I'm speaking for you know I'm I'm with LAUSD and I right. think they have done a fabulous job actually at accommodating so many students and I've seen it change over the years and, and we're bound by the Ed Code. We we have certain things we have to do tied into funding and. Um, that's what our school is there for to help those students recover their credit yeah we cannot keep them by law as they get older and older because there are other options and we are you know we we can't be we can't be the answer for everybody yeah um once they reach a certain age there has to be a certain accountability and everything because it, it's just the way of the world we have to also make people responsible and accountable and say okay you can this is the time you have and you need to finish before you turn a certain age or that. And so we accommodate so much. And I think um, probably California as a whole, education as a whole, especially LA Unified, has really worked to be all they can be for all different students. They have a lot of, they're working a lot now with foster children and homeless students to really accommodate them and say, we're not going to punish you by some of these burdens of academic requirements that are unrealistic. So. I think, I think I find the district has gotten uh, much more accommodating and open and accepting. I am very impressed with what they've done through COVID. My gosh, right? Has had access to a, a laptop at our school. Oh, one of the other teachers is teaching a design craft arts class, and she makes sure that a bag of art supplies is at the school that the kids can go pick up. I mean. We're bending uh, over backwards. So there yeah. is so much we can do. And when I first started as a teacher, especially, you know, I saw, I went to see, um, when I had this job at a, at a quote, you know, continuation school, it's like, well, what is that? And I went to see, remember the movie Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer? I do, yeah. I see that movie and go, okay, can I do this? You know, right, and right. I, that was so funny. And um, I lost my train of thought when doing this, but I, I thought, what can I do? Oh, and I, and I was determined I was not going to lose a student. I was going to be the hero and everyone was. And then I, I, I had the hard realization that I couldn't, you know, like maybe saving isn't the right word, but I could not save everyone. You can I do know your best. Some people yeah. have extenuating circumstances where they just can't fulfill that path, but the majority that come to our school end up doing it and I see the pride and the absolute their families will come and thank us and you know we never thought we'd do it. I get students I was talking a lot today um, with friends and we're talking about um, I'd like to talk touch on art as protest and everything we get into some of the things that you and I did with voting rights and that right. type of thing and the, and the gun the I'm on fire on that today yeah but, um, anyway I, I think that uh, students have been accommodated. I see the pride. I see some of them were put down. They come to me and, and maybe other people, family or, or educators have said, you know, you'll never amount to anything. And I'm going, oh my gosh. And I see the pride there. So 
I, I think, you know, as far as a educator bureaucracy, we're doing, you know, we're huge. And I think we are reaching a lot of people. I'm seeing teachers work harder and harder at trying Good. to get people on the margins and bring them in. Right. And again, I've never worked in a larger high school, comprehensive high school. So I don't know the challenges they have there. I've only had the pure blessing of being able to work at a, at a smaller school um, there where I can focus on these, you know, challenges that students have had and, um, you know, work for that. But And what do you think about the... Um... I'm going to tell a story that's somewhat uh, out of turn, but it'll come back. And that is I was in a, the Annenberg um, alchemy sessions and that in that session, they teach you how to uh, create leadership inside of your charity. Mm -hmm. And a woman came to me and this was at the very beginning of, of the work that I was doing, but I think, and I, I'm not even sure if I was in with you guys. And um, she came over to me and she said, so I'm curious how you, how you know um, after the students have left you, how do you know if you have made a difference and how do you know how they're doing? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, they text me. Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I was like, then you're not going to know because that's yeah. what. I, that, I have a couple of things to say about that. that yeah. That makes us so proud when we get students to come back and say, you know, when I got to paint that mural, that meant so much to me because I'd never done anything like that before. Or I, you know, I work with students a lot on their presentation skills and getting up in front of a class because that's the number one yes. fear. Come back and they went, Miss Y, I was so shy, I could never do anything. And now I'm manager at my job because you pushed me and you made me do that, things like that. But um, A, I want to look at it and go, okay, that's not the most important thing if we know if we change their lives or not. It's not for us, it's for them. So if we hear about it, that's icing on the cake. Yeah. But we do our best job hoping that we have changed their lives. But, you know, if we don't hear about it, I'm, my passion is still to help them. So I don't care if I ever hear about it. Of course, it's much better for my ego and my heart to know that. It was, <laughs> to know, that it was to still know. Yeah. The second part of that is, of course, it's a two way street. So if you don't like if someone doesn't like to text or you know email or something like that, that's that's important. And it's exhausting, as you know. Yeah, working, being creative, being academic, and working with students because a lot of these are, are extra projects and extra time and stuff like that. They're so rewarding, but at the end of the day, like you know, tonight now I'm starting spring break. I'm like you're dumped out, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's uh, it, it it's a constant it's a constant effort, and um, you know, it's just like growing up. You know, I I, I just talked to my girlfriend. I was on a walk tonight from. We were, our moms were pregnant together. Uh -huh. so oh my gosh, her. you've known her forever. I've known her forever. And we're still very good friends from high school. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, why am I, why am I still good friends with her? But I never hear from anybody else. So we can't keep, we can't keep tabs with everybody. Um, it's like the old parenting thing. You give them wings and you let them go. And sometimes you'll see them fluttering about and sometimes they'll come 
you know, drop a little leaf or twig on your doorstep and we just, <laughs> we just go with it. Yeah. In yeah. Heart, in our hearts, I think if we know we made a difference, that's good. And in their hearts, if we made a difference, that's golden. It's golden, right? Well, and you said something that I'm reminded of, of the other point to that is, is that they're um, part of texting the students or having some mean means of communication with them while they're in your classroom um, or in your school is the, the component that for for like whatever reason, and I love that you guys don't really ever really care the reason. You just meet the 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 distance. Um, but what I'm gonna say is like there were so many days that I know that that there were texts going to kids like, "Hey, are you coming to school? Where are you? What do you need? What kind of support do you need?" And and there's you know. At, at other schools, they, you know, the staff would call home and say, your kid is not here. Where are they? Um, and that, you know, I think at bigger schools is a missing. I don't think that their parents get called. They don't know if they're truant or not, you know, for whatever reason. Um, and you guys seem to add in that extra, like, oomph of where are you? We're looking for you. You matter, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, and, and that's daring. That's, it's deliberate. It's daring It is but on your end. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're offering, you're offering so much more than just, a, you know, being an educator. I think you're, well, I you're a touch point to humanity. I'm, I'm lucky to work with a great staff who we all go that extra mile. But again, in defense of the major schools, they have an automated system. So parents do get calls. It's, you know, if the kid isn't, if, if the system called MISIS, so if the students aren't accounted uh, for it, the calls do go up. But Oh, good. I didn't who, know that. Yeah, we're the ones who make like the, the personal calls. And I like, my favorite thing is making the good calls. So I love calling a parent. <laughs> And um, it's like, hi, hello, Mr. So-and-so. This is um, Ms. Young from John Irwin High School. And you can just hear the like, oh, uh, yeah. what's going to happen now? And I said, I hope, you know, I'm not bothering, but I just have to tell you that your son was so great today in speaking up. And I get this, really? Oh, my and gosh. Some of these oh, my gosh, thank you so much for calling because it takes, it takes time and we all don't, it's so nice to be appreciated and especially as a parent to know your child is doing a, a good job. And so then the next day the student will come to me and go, guess what? My mom took me out for dinner because I was doing so well, or I get to go out, I get to take the car this weekend. Like <laughs> so it, it's so nice when one small seed can grow into a garden of different kindness. And I think that's what's missing today is we need more kindness in the world. We, yeah. You know, different things and um well and how did you like I've actually never thought of that like I have never thought to call a parent and and give them that and that (laughs) that's huge is that is that school-wide do you guys all do that because what a what an amazing idea um I can't speak for the other ones I think some of them do also and um 
I like to do that because I just know it's good for the student. It's so good for the parent. So and good. It, it, it yeah. creates a community of, of caring and, and knowing that we're, you know, yeah. we're out there. Well, and what, so now that there are these, do you think, well, I'm, I, I don't even, so how long <laughs> you've taught at Wooden or taught in this, in this kind of school environment for your whole entire career, um, has technology helped now? Like where, what's gold, what's the golden experience that you uh have encountered or or and and part of this is some of these i i hope someday someone will listen to to mine information because we've got a lot of kids um telling their stories from school how did they end up at the continuation high school and often they'll go back to middle school and start from there and we'll undercut we're we'll uncover um where the stumbles started where the you know where issues were if there were issues where greatness was where teachers were you know the the champions for them and and just sort of watch the sociological study of the path and um and i asked them to you know tell me their truth and so in in this question to you, you know, there's, I have a bias. I love technology and I love, you know, I love that they could zoom with us. I love that they were given laptops and I, I know principals were sending home uh, internet connection devices and, you know, just really trying to get them all still connected. But my question, I guess, is over the course of the years, like, do you think, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think about technology? Well, How do you um, feel about this? Are we okay? <laughs> it's, yeah, um, I'm an English teacher. I'm not, I haven't taught all my life. I have, was a mid-career teacher. Okay. Um, before that, I owned an acting studio, so I taught acting. Ugh. I worked as an actor. Um, I also worked in corporate America. I was head of personnel for a Fortune 500 company downtown Los Angeles. So I oh my gosh, which one? So that's where I think it's always interesting how life. I had a lot of divergent experiences, but they all come together. So they culminated in my my teaching career. Yeah. And I love it because I was able to take a, a business background, I was able to take an acting background, and bring all of that in. And I will get to your technology question coming in on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I taught at a university. Um, so I taught business and English there. So I came from more academia with heart, you know, teaching English and especially the business classes. So I've seen technology change a lot and there's so much good about it. Um, as an English teacher, it helps on, you know, they can edit and they can do all this and I can, you know, the exchange of things. I'm still old school in that. My, my major was English and speech and theater. And I, my greatest heartache about Zoom, and I still do it, was, is actually having that personal connection with the student and getting them up in front of the class and express themselves, feel comfortable so they can go work in the real world. I said, you don't have to impress me now, but I want to get you ready for your job. So right. given that technology has, this whole COVID thing was as bad as it has been, 
working with the zoo, I'm telling the students who are reluctant that you're getting 21st century skills. So we're working on interviewing now on Zoom rather than in oh, person. Yeah. So I had to adjust my teaching a lot. And boy, do I have a, it's been a big learning curve because in education, they throw a zillion different platforms at you and go, here are more resources. I, I want to scream and go, I don't need more resources. I just need time to develop the, the ones that we have. So it's <laughs> changed immensely. Our world will never be the same because of COVID. I know that um, my daughter probably will not go back into an office or very, very rarely. So many friends, offices got dissolved because they're, they find out now we can efficiently work, work from, from home. home. Yeah. Like that. Um, I think the biggest thing in tech, while well, there's so many great advances in technology and communication, but you've seen it too. when you're teaching kids with art, with the Google slides yeah. and the photography, I just, um, had a film class. We just finished films for a uh, group called Directing Change, which is a uh, mental health matters and is really raising uh, mental health awareness. Ooh, and I uh, had that. I wrote a grant for that and had worked with a filmmaker from um, Cal Arts. And that's another point of art that's so wonderful. But it was different because I've done this before. And before, when they could work as a team and go out and film and work people and go out to different locations, now we had COVID restrictions. So most of them. All they could do was film themselves. So we provided them with, you know, the ring lights and a tripod so they could go out and take that in their room. So it was really interesting to see how they adapted that technology advanced technology to film themselves and make a film when they're only depending upon themselves. So I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but there's so many growths in technology and as you know, art always changes. You know, we had the cave drawing, but it's what, you know, where are we now? And so it's um, <laughs> technology, does art, art influences technology and technology definitely influences the art. Right, right, a hundred percent. Well, and, and I think, I think that there is a, uh, the advent of seeing yourself so much Mm -hmm. Um, there is a catch up in, uh, the release of identity about that too, yeah. that, that these kids I think are, are going to have in spades, mm -hmm. you know, like, like, I, I think, uh, you know, getting, getting dressed and ready to go to school and make sure you look good, um, versus, uh, showing up on a on a Zoom screen and it's like, I, you know that that place of undeniable where it's like it's undeniable. I can't I can't like nobody is getting dressed. <laughs> nobody is you know doing better than and um, and there's something that that's a gift as well I think and and yet and what still has to shine through is yourself. Yeah. And well, yeah, I think it was interesting when you, when you bring up identity and all this, and I think how we talked earlier about identification and growth and discovery through art. And I have two things. Um, you brought a fabulous graffiti or street artist to our school, Master Cola. Yes. And he, A, created this fantastic mural that I just love. We use it for all our backdrop <laughs> And Shout out to Philippe. And to the students and he was so wonderful. And so I just always applied your generosity, how you were always, you know, open heart and home to artists who are, are finding their way. 
And anyway, I don't know if you know this story, but he had this wonderful painting. He was getting ready to go back to Montreal. Okay. And he had this wonderful painting. And I had a friend who needed some artwork and she loved supporting street artists. And I said, so I took it over to her house and I said, oh, it's perfect on this wall. And at the time she wasn't, didn't want to spend the money on it. And she made an offer, I can't, maybe of $300 or something. It was valued at much more. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, this is a, a kid at the time who's just making him, himself. He's going back to Canada. You know, 300 bucks is better than a stick in the eye and like that. And he told me, he said, I can't, I can't do that. Oh. Because it was such a higher price. And he turned it down. Oh my goodness. Said, and he told me, and I get tears in my eyes. He said, I want you to have it because I know that you appreciate it for what it is. And he goes, I cannot, I cannot prostitute my art to sell it for what he felt was the value. So I loved it that he had, his identity was so strong that he's turning down $300 for something that he couldn't take across the border again. He couldn't. Right. It was going nowhere, but yeah. yeah. But instead he chose to gift me with that painting, which is in my classroom. And I felt so badly. He was leaving the next morning and I dug, I was bringing a group of students up to Berkeley for a special thing we were doing. So I had a little cash. I said, I don't have much, but I'll give you everything I have in my pocket. And I hit $80. Oh my God. <laughs> so I gave him $80 and I said, this will get you a meal at the airport. Totally. Totally. <laughs> there. But I, I just love the soul and the passion of artists and the identity. And I loved it that he had, that strong of an identity with his art that he had value on that, you know? Yeah, and and retained choice. Yes, yeah. And that's that to me is the key to it all yeah. is is retaining your your uh sense of the kind of yes you get to say. And and the the value that you you put on things and put on yourself. And um, that's what I think was so interesting when you came to our school and, you know, the whole thing was how you can make money without defacing property and being a vandal as a street artist. Right. And on with that. Um, and then I had a, I was in a, I had a fellowship to Mexico to study water con- contamination in Mexican agriculture. So I'm out in these flat wood boats in the canals and stuff. And we stayed, it was eight other teachers from the, across the United States and we stayed in a locked compound at night. And on the, I guess they had students or kids come in at some point and kind of work there. Okay. And they had art on the walls all over. And every night I'd walk up to my room, I was on the second floor, and I came across this painting that I just loved. And I like these monochromatic things. It's gray and black and white and all this heavy texture. You've got to come over and see it. Okay. And I'll send you a picture. And I just loved it. And I loved it. And I loved it. And I'd look at it all the time. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I can afford this. And I thought, I don't need to buy souvenirs in Mexico while I'm there. But, you know. So I decided to splurge and buy this piece of art. Oh my well, gosh. I found out not only... It'd probably been hanging there for 12 years and no one had ever bought it, you know, but I loved it. And I got to talk to the artist. It was a young girl. No. So I love being able to support a female artist. Right. She was so thrilled to sell this painting 
and get some money in her pocket for something that had hung up and been probably, you know, maybe appreciated by visitors, but not, but nothing else. So I, I love that as um, art as validation and art as commerce. Right. People able to, to go ahead and, and do that. Well, and it takes so it, it, like the gesture of recognizing like from the adult world or, or even, you know, it doesn't have to be an adult, but the purchase of someone's craft, mm -hmm. like it, there isn't a lot of, um, especially young artists aren't getting into it to sell because the idea of running your own business, quote unquote, seems daunting, right? But really, it's so basic. It's, I made something, would you like to buy it? And, you know, like, that exchange is very simple. And I know you guys talk about commerce, and you do your little store, like selling times at school and stuff to, to teach, like, that's the exchange. And, the, and you're right, like I have a bunch of musicians around me right now and they are, in my opinion, undervaluing or not valuing at all their music by way of money, like money value. And, um, and I said to myself, and I'm going to implement this newly with the charity, I was like, I'd like to buy your song. Mm -hmm. And, um... And I think I'd also like to then have, I'll pay someone to make a cover for it, mm -hmm. for the song. And then I think I'm going to keep doing that and create a catalog and then shop it to sync houses. So, um, so we have a little churn going on and should that a song or two get sunk, um, the artist will get that they'll retain their publishing and well, I, you need to talk to me about that because that's you know that's your your background that's well, your friend that yes. so has written songs buying, <laughs> you never want to refer to it as buying a song because that's what they used to do in the old days that's how a lot of artists got taken advantage of because their song would be quote right. i know you don't mean that but would be bought and then they would lose their rights so the best thing is exactly that would, right I'm going to buy the master. They retain their publishing. They retain all the yeah. rest. Yeah. And some retain their master. So it all depends how you want to do it. But I, I love that. Well, in, so. in, in my mind, I was like, you can, you should you ever want your master back, just donate the exact value that we get. You know, I'm not, of course, you know, I'm going to be fair. But the point to it was the look on these kids' eyes when I said, Oh, that song you don't think is a hit song? I'd like to buy that because it's a hit song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And they're like, what? And then I vetted it with a friend who is. A whole new thing on song pitching and uh, getting out that. So that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's. I want to talk. And I, I hope this makes sense as a segue. You know, when you talk about value in commerce and i think there's monetary value and then what i said before i loved it when you came and remember the whole voting thing we did yeah yeah okay. and so uh maura came into our school and did all of these sandwich boards to take to the polling places about voting 
And then when we that did was 2016, the- that was for the presidential yeah. election. Took all of the we worked on gun control. Yep. For the rally at Cal State Northridge. Yep. And this was huge because all of the students you had to have them. They did great posters and everything on it, and and they got demonstrated, you know, displayed on the steps of the library at Cal State Northridge. Right. Rally out there. And my kids were so enthused by that. And I think there's so much value in art as social and justice messaging. Um, and I, I've known this before, but one of the first things, my daughter and I went on the first wa- uh, march in Washington, Women's March in yes, Washington. I remember DC. that. Yeah. And the I wanted to, I knew someone would, and I, I thought, oh, I wish I had the wherewithal because there were so many fabulous uh, signs and banners and everything that people had created and so innovative. I thought, oh my gosh, this is phenomenal. And then you worked with the, the gun protests and the voting rights. And I thought art just brings everything, it increases awareness, as you know, as your career as a graphic artist um, for you know corporations. It just brings everything there, the, the expression and the validation and the the awareness. And so I really thank you for that because the voting and the gun rights thing, I think were so, so important. And today when I hear that there's voter suppression happening in some of these states across the country, I just want to explode. I am so upset when you cannot bring a bottle of water to a person standing to vote for five hours which should not be the case should so not. i think art has such a, a necessary we saw that with black lives matter such a necessary part and i applaud you for bringing that in um on like you said on a small basis when you pretty much maybe started at our school or you're doing some other things and then yeah every time i talk to you you know okay now i'm doing a podcast okay <laughs> with the cop with the self-expression and the commerce and the the art as as i said what i call art social justice art yeah so, um, well and what i say is i give them a visual voice yes yeah yeah that, that that's great so yeah and i think i think the more um people that can can tap into that whether they are the creators or the purveyors is a wonderful thing. Oh, and uh, the amplifier art that, that Shepard Ferry and his, you know, friend group. uh, And I'm not sure, like, I don't think he started amplifier, but I think he helped generate a lot of buzz with the, the women's March posters. And it was so, so important and impressive how quickly they got that work printed and in the hands of people um well, technology back I mean, that was exactly that, technology that is just phenomenal it's, it's oh great. yeah yeah and that you know and that like technology with creativity with voice with um expediency you know the part of why i thought to do the podcast also was to connect these tissues and these stories. And, you know, I just interviewed somebody from Chicago, a young Mm -hmm. kid, and I found him on Instagram and he is a photographer and he went to Atlanta for, um, for, to get Warnock and the other guy voted in. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that, that like, 
bringing all like just showing these kids and and in part also because um you know 10 years ago there were a lot of these kids who a not only had never left the valley mm -hmm. um but didn't have a visual on what else there was out there and um and i have seen um now in the last probably two years i've seen kids getting from the valley to all parts of california to all parts of the united states and and like really expanding their horizon and i know that that has to do with technology and and just you know it's like opening up waking up and the sky is bluer because you can go look at other skies and and you know it's not hard to to go and be concerned um in other states and you can get there and you can dream that you need to you know we've got you've got a student right now who i believe is in honduras and uh visiting and um you know went over to to see family but but like that's a move that i have not seen happen in in ever in years well, yeah and i don't know if it's the same student because the one the one i'm going to talk about is in mexico right now and he's able to attend school from mexico oh my gosh that's fantastic i'll tell you he is a visionary he is a fabulous filmmaker. I was just blown away. He did a film for the, the project I was talking about. And I want to introduce him to people out here. He is, his story, his storytelling is phenomenal. His written word, his video was just blew my mind. Yeah. And um, so I asked him, are you interested? And he said how he really wants to develop as an artist and, and go to the university and write and everything, but help, help his people in Mexico. And I thought, oh, I just love that. So here's a student who's like, no, I'm not California. That the business doesn't appeal to me. I have a I have a purpose to use my art to help, um, you know, the people in my country. I thought oh, I was just touched by that. Because that is insane. Was he uh, born here or born there? I don't know. All I think he was born here. So he's got access. He can come yeah. and go. He can. Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely. amazing. So it's it's. Oh. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and one so of one of the ideas for the music side was to pay kids to do videos for songs as well. Just putting that out there too. But yeah, that storytelling. The um and and no, we don't. We weren't talking about the same student, but I think at the, so. Now talking just back to the the audience that i hope listens and that is the adults in the room and the the daring of um never now more than ever do i feel like <clears throat> we our job and i've said this is <clears throat> as 50 60 year olds our job is to help younger kids like mm -hmm. in my past it was you know we had to as younger people our job was to listen to our elders and to me it's completely flipped 
And it's mm -hmm. like the young people are telling us what they need. And our job is to make them get there and pave their way and pull them, pull them forward. Um, way more than, than some perception of, you know, get where I am and, and follow in my footsteps and, and do what I do. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a full, it's almost walking backwards, looking, <laughs> you know, like have where, how do I see you over there? Come here. I'm over here, you know, like, um, to the, to the younger people and, and also to connect them in ways that, that uh, is that game changing, like, oh, let me send your, your video to somebody. We live in LA. I happen to know someone, you know, right. like lucky. We're lucky that we, um, kind of live in, but even if we didn't, and that's the beauty of the social media is like, you can, and they can do it too, which is even better with the social media, you know, they can, uh, connect themselves. It's, it's crazy that, you know, something, some of these things that go viral, I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, so it's, it, it's a, it's a crazy time. It's an exciting time. Yeah. And to, with every advantage, there are also some disadvantages, but you, you know, see the different things happening and well, and I think the disadvantages, you know, thankfully in the last four years, uh, those have come to light mm -hmm. and our ability to protect and care for people, um, and to hear and listen and believe people when they're talking about, you know, the dangers and the, the pitfalls and all of that. Um, certainly there's, the 28 year olds who were 18 during the time of, you know, when MySpace left and Facebook came on and all of that. And those who have survived the, you know, the trial years of it all are there to, to, you know, to believe and to, to warn others and to help protect for that. And, um, our job is to mind the good. Um, and so you, how much time do you have left as a teacher? Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Good. I, I hope I, that I'm always a teacher, but maybe not in the, in the professional In way. that whole setting. Yeah. Right. Well, I can't imagine you not always being a teacher. So yes, that's a given. That is a given. And, uh, whenever... Whenever I have the sort of ego brain to think, oh, I've, you know, oh, I've helped someone, blah, de, blah, I think of you. And I'm like, and, and, and Barb as well. And I'm like, you guys, the amount of people that you have helped is so expansive and exponential. Like, I'm a child when it compares to the people you've impacted and it, it's it it's dumbfounding i don't even know how big of an award to give you like <laughs> i really really don't like the one because one-on-one -on -one is known to be the method in which you really change people's lives and your ability to do the one-on-one -on -one is so much greater because you have the the smaller ratios and so your impact is so great and it's, uh, 
I want I want you to be famous. Can you can I, can I make oh, I did you get, famous? I, I, I tell you, one of the words that I did get that just really spoke to me. I, it was a nationwide thing for life changer of the year. Oh and my gosh! Right. I that was like wow. I really like that. But I I think <laughs> the the main way to change lives is my attitude is to give people the tools to make their lives better. I know growing up, my parents wanted me to be independent and nurture that. Like, yes, you should do this. You should travel before you get married. You should do this. Yes, you can move to California not knowing anybody and packing up a $45 stereo in a car. Oh, my gosh. Here with no clue. No. Um, so I had that support. So I think the main thing is, like I tell students, I said, I'm not going to do all this for you. I think there's too much enabling going okay. through times in education. I'm like, no. You need to look this up. You need to come up with this. You need to have this. And I said, I'm not being mean. I just want you to be able to be self-sufficient. And so one is giving the tools, or maybe two is giving the tools. The first one is, as you know, and you do all the time, is building the confidence. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Yes, you can try. So what, if I tell my students, I said, you can't fail in my class as long as you try my goal is to not make you a star in any particular way. My goal is to make you better than you were yesterday. Oh. And I think people can approach that. It makes it, it better. And then I have to throw in another thing I, I read um, actually this week about um, something about art and stuff. We're all, we all are looking for the crayons that we, they gave us as children. We've lost those Oh crayons. my gosh, that is great those crayons we used to take them so freely and just write and do these things and not worry about it and we've lost those crayons so you talk about you now we have technology we sometimes need to acknowledge where the crayons are and know if that's all we have that is is good enough so i think uh, the, the confidence and the tools just go a far far way and then it's not you or i that are changing the lives it's maybe giving them the opportunity to change their lives and then they they do it on their own and that's what makes it special right oh my goodness and that and the confidence and knowledge that um and this took me a long time to figure out and i know you figured this out is that each student really truly does have their own path and it really is like they it, you're lucky for them to be moving past you on their path and that they're they will continue to succeed no matter what happens hopefully and um and yeah if you can just add into that backpack some of your tools um and then they turn around and give you a wave and say i got them i got my tools thank you then tell them sometimes I said you know what I said I don't care what you what you think if you get mad at me for pushing you or doing this or da, 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 I, feel like I said I'm kind of like the I'm kind of like the stand-up comic who just tells this awful joke that people are bored at but then at the end it's a funny punchline like Andy Kaufman I think was great at that I said I can I can go through I can have you not like me or not appreciate what I'm doing but I said but I know in my heart Two years, five years, it's gonna the bell is gonna go off and you go, oh damn that it. Is why <laughs> met. And they'll be standing somewhere and they will laugh. And they will... Yeah. So I, it's it's, uh, it's not immediate gratification, like you know, exactly. immediate, you know. 
um, looking at a piece of art when you're working on art for years or months or however long you spend it is not immediate and it hangs it like the girl in Mexico. It hangs in the wall for a long time before someone goes in and, and, and buys it and gives her that validation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Ah, oh, yay. Well, that's a great look. We did it. We talked, we talked for an hour. Well, you and I talking for an hour is not, not hard, that. right? <laughs> not hard at all. Well, all right. And so all the students, cause there will be students who listen to this. Um, you are, I know a gem in their lives. I know you love them. Um, if there's anything more you want to say, say it. If not, we will end here. How do you feel? What would you like? Well, I, I think the thing I always want is for students to value themselves, listen to that little voice inside them that hasn't been put down yeah. and explore it and find someone that believes in you or can let you have fun with that as well. There's oh. so much seriousness because these are serious times yeah. and we need to have um, a little fun with ourselves. And especially as teenagers, there's so much pressure on kids this days. So um, have fun on your journey, explore. Um, I went to, when I went to college, my whole attitude was, I don't care what my GPA is. I'm going to take a class every semester that challenges me, but I'm going to learn from it. How much time do we have? I have a story. Can you? Oh, wait, I talk. We got okay, it. Yeah. I, I tell this story to my students all the time. They probably go. No, give it. Okay. Bring it. So, so, as a <laughs> so every semester I would take something that I knew I was lousy at, but I thought it would expand my horizons. Okay. So I took golf. I took skiing. I had never been on skis before. And, I, and so then I decided one semester to take a ballet class. I had little ballet lessons on those. So the first thing I needed was tights and a leotard. So I went to the little store that had the tights and the leotard. And where did you go to college? Uh, this I went to different colleges. This one was happened in Utah, Utah State. I transferred. I was going to school in Minnesota, and I was going to transfer to Boulder, Colorado. My girlfriend and I were on a, a cross-country trip uh -huh. to check it out. And we got to Boulder, and that just didn't seem to be my thing. And by some mistake, we took a wrong turn and ended up in northern Utah. Really <laughs> Through Bryce Canyon or something. <laughs> but, you know, and I came across this campus with the Rocky Mountains behind it. Uh, gorgeous. What a beaut overlooking this gorgeous valley. And I said to my friend, I said, can you imagine going to school at a place like this? So we took a little exit, went to the campus, looked around. I picked up a college catalog. I went home filled it out, got accepted. So I decided, oh, I was good at that. Oh, I decided I'm gonna pick up and go to Utah, not knowing anybody or anything. Uh -huh. So I went to Utah and went to school there. Now I'm on my path to try new classes. So I'm in the store buying my leotards. You're supposed to have like the, you know, the pink leotard or the black leotard and the pink tights or whatever the it was. Dan skin, yeah. Out of those. Oh, but, wow. they, but they had red and I loved red. <laughs> so I buy this long sleeve fire engine red totally. leotard. I had one. Yeah. I show up in class, and all these beautiful tall women are looking down their nose at me 
and they're in the beautiful light pink and black things. And this one is like, oh, how long have you been studying ballet? And I'm like, you know, no, I was just starting out. And, you know, and, and I found out that Utah State happened to be the training ground for the professional ballet company out of Salt Lake City. And they went to Utah State just to work on different things. Oh, their craft. Season. So they're in this class and I'm mortified. So the class met twice a week and every time we have to go to class, it's like a rope pulling me and I'm pulling back going, no, I can't handle this one more day. Like, Come on, Brenda, this will be good for you. And so I, I went to the class and we have to do these jetés across the floor. These women were so elegant and they're flying like Giselles and here comes the elephant. Ka-doom, ka-doom, oh my gosh. Ka-doom. But I hung in there and I did it. And the teacher said, you know, she obviously could not give me an A, but I studied really hard. So I knew I did well in my written tests with the French terms and everything. <laughs> so I think I got a B in the class. But uh, and but I like to tell my students, I said, you know what? I ended up with knowing that I did it. Yeah. I was lousy at it, but I did it. I like to think I gained, which I need to work again on. I gained posture. And, you know, so you always, it doesn't matter. You've got to try try new things. So oh my God. That's, that's and my whole thing is like when you come to my school with working the kids and they go, oh, I can't draw anything. I can't draw strict man. And you get there to, it's expanding your horizons. So this is my long story around to what I want to tell students. <laughs> Don't be afraid to get locked in, put on the red leotard and leap into the world. Ah, uh, put on the red leotard and leap into the world. You, that is beautiful. That's a poster. Let's do that. <laughs> Let's do that one, okay? Oh my God! Thank you. Thank You're you. Very well. Thank you, Mora. Yay! Yay, Brenda. Hey, Mora. Yay! Exactly. Oh my gosh! And thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, listen Get on to the red leotard. <laughs> Find your red leotard. I love it. Uh, all right. Hey guys, I'm so glad you listened to Immersed in Art. We really want you to know how valuable your stories are and would love to hear them. So please let us know. Hit us up on any of the socials or uh, you can email us at authwallgraffiti at gmail and just let us know and we'll get you on the phone or in person when we can and grab your stories. Um, Anything from stories from the streets, stories from school. If you're a mentor or a master, tell us how you do it. Or a this or that story. What happens when you make art and what happens when you're told that you can't. Uh, I want to let you guys know that we got a wonderful grant. And so we're kind of sponsored for 2021 by the Water Buffalo Kids, a wonderful organization in Los Angeles who helps nonprofits like us, who help underserved communities and young people in all facets. And they also helped us get a grant from City National Bank. Shout out to City National. So we officially have two sponsors for this podcast, and we are very grateful for that. Your stories are important. And we want to share them with the world. Take charge this year. And yeah, let's make some art. Change some lives. <laughs>